Welcome to the Signature Grow the Game podcast. I'm your host, Dan Soviero, and today we're going to dive into the world of youth sports and speak with leaders who are making an impact in their communities. From coaches to program directors and beyond, we'll explore the latest trends, issues, and solutions in the world of youth sports. But before we get started, we'd like to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Signature Athletics. Their game-changing team swag stores are designed to make youth and travel sports programs feel like the big leagues. If you like what you hear on the podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. All right, welcome to the Grow the Game podcast. I'm your host, Dan Soviero, founder of Signature Athletics. And today I've got special guests, Coach Caro and Coach Robbie with me. Coaches, nice to have you on the show. Great to be here. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, a little background on Coach Carl and Coach Robbie. So uh, Coach Robbie, retired Marine, F-18 pilot, and currently working for Boeing. So you can thank him for all those safe uh, travels that you guys have. Um, grew up in Maryland, started playing lacrosse in fifth grade, went to McDonough, and then on to the Naval Academy to play lacrosse. Um, while in Virginia, was the head coach of uh, high school Woodbridge, um, and then moved to Amelia Island in 2016 and started um, what is now a really great youth league of, that you've built over the last four years. Coach Carl, Virginia native, started playing in sixth grade, uh, played D3 in Ohio, then club ball at American University. That's also where my my dad went to uh, university, funny enough, um, and then got pulled back in by Coach Robbie and your kids. That's right. Did I, did I do a good summary there? <laughs> that was that was that was spot on. <laughs> Beautiful. So what was your guys' sport growing up? Typically, this is kind of the kickoff. What's this? What was your sport growing up? And what was the signature moment that really impacted you guys and really got you kind of so pulled into it that you're still with it uh, 30 years later. Okay. Well, I mean, it's funny. Um, my mother signed me up for lacrosse in sixth grade. I really didn't know much about it, though. I had some cousins that lived in, in Massachusetts that were players. And uh, so I, 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 you know, for me, it was very vague, but um, I had been playing, you know, youth football before then and a little bit of soccer. Wasn't that interested in soccer. I'm not the fastest guy in the world. Uh, you know, football, I, I was a, a good player, not the biggest guy in the world, but lacrosse, I just sort of fit with lacrosse. It was had, had the, the, uh, had the, the, um, obviously the dyna- dynamics you have with soccer, uh, basketball and, um, and then the, the, the physicality of football. So right away yeah. I was drawn into the sport. That's awesome. That's awesome. I had a similar, uh, experience. I played football in South Florida growing up and, as every uh, young South Floridian thinks I was going to go in the NFL for sure um, until I got into high school and realized that there was grown men that we were playing against. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's not much of a market for, for a five, nine uh, blocking tight end. Yep. Yep. Yes. I, got you by, I got you by half an inch. So <laughs> wasn't much going for me either. <laughs> what about you coach Robbie? What was, uh, what was your signature moment and what got you pulled into the sport? Sure. Um, so I started playing, uh, played baseball. I wrestled and then started playing uh, football in fifth grade. So more of the contact sports. I was kind of getting bored of soccer and baseball. And it just so happened that uh, my aunt, who um, was she was dating at the time, and her boyfriend was a lacrosse player at UMBC in Maryland. And he actually brought one of his highlight tapes over, and we got to watch that. And it was the most amazing experience to watch this sport that just had so much action. It had the hitting. Um, it was just a combination, you know, of, of so many different sports, I felt like. So in fifth grade, um, I asked my mom to sign me up for lacrosse. So I played lacrosse and baseball that year. And after that season, she said, pick one. And uh, I can't do running, you know, the practices for both sports and games. It was just too much. Yeah. So um, lacrosse just had everything I was looking for. It was you're, you're constantly moving. Um, you've got the contact. Um, it's just it was such a great crossover sport from, you know, football, which I love. Um, and it, uh, yeah, after playing soccer and baseball, you know, all through elementary school, it just brought that kind of next level of intensity. Uh, yeah. that I was looking for in a sport. So that's it. really cool. That's really cool. And it sounded like uh so your aunt was dating. Maybe it didn't work out on the date, but it ended up inspiring a passion for a sport. Yeah. Or a it did. 
they're still married. Yeah, they're still married. Wow, they get up get married. Yeah, yeah. He actually, I think, played at NC State when they had a lacrosse program. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, uh, maybe some zero point zero GPAs led to uh, that that sport getting uh, ended there. So (laughs) transferred to uh, UMBC and had a great career there and played some club ball. But really, he was an inspiration for kind of getting me started with lacrosse. I didn't even know what the sport was until you know I, I saw his sticks and his videos and you know got me into it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, you guys both get into the to the game at a pretty young age, and um, you had some people kind of introduce it to you. How did you end up getting involved in um, in this program down in Amelia Island? And for everybody listening, just for context, geographically, um, Amelia Island is uh, like northern Jacksonville-ish area. We're, in the, we're the northeast most place you could possibly possibly be in Florida. We are just where the St. Mary's River uh, separates us from from Georgia. So we are in the we are in the top northeast part. You can't. I mean, we're we're it. We're the first town in Florida to hit on 95. So it's, so it's the top youth program in Florida. No, I mean, no, I mean, we're <laughs> maybe one day. Exactly. Yeah, one day. You know, like a county, the Nassau County is only about 80, 90,000 people, maybe. So we're at the critical yeah. mass. Yeah. We yeah. always be geographically at the top. <laughs> yeah. Our island's only uh, about 12, 12-ish miles long by a couple miles wide. So. Not, not, not very big. The dimensions of Manhattan. That's 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 why I always look at okay. it. Okay, yeah. nice. And it's pretty developed, or is it is it more of a like sleepy beach town kind of Florida vibe? Starting to get a little. Uh, starting to get more developed, but there's a uh, you're running out of space to develop on the island. So what you're seeing is more development just off the island. Um, a lot of development as you get closer to 95. Whereas you're kind of becoming the, the suburbia a little bit for Jacksonville. Yep. Um, so you got more and more folks who are commuting to Jacksonville from North Florida. And, and that brings in one of the challenges, which we can talk to it a bit and how we get our how we can uh, get more youth into our program. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's a good segue that I'd, I'd love to dive in is is so you're you move down to Amelia Island, you're in the military and then their lacrosse isn't there and you you wanted to create it for your kids or how did it end up becoming uh how did hammerheads lacrosse end up becoming a program well really um i mean it really started uh it started as what was called amelia island nassau county youth lacrosse and the reason why it's a long name but um the reason why it was called that is because we drew kids from fernandina beach we had kids from yuli which is just off the island um we even had a, a few kids from south georgia that might come down um and play with us so we tried to make it all encompassing um, and yeah, obviously we're going to change, we're going to lead, uh, talk about the name change later, but it was really, um, started by, um, there was an older gentleman, um, who, 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 uh, moved down here and he was quite advanced in age. He was already in his eighties. And, uh, I just, I, I put him in my description, Robbie, I just forgot his name. <laughs> Fred McFarland. Fred McFarland. And he's actually in the lacrosse hall of fame for starting uh, several programs in North Jersey, former, former Navy guy, North, he would lived in North Carolina, New Jersey, um, and started youth programs. He had done that for years in the sixties and seventies and so forth. So he kind of got, got us off the ground and helped us get the first stick grant with USA, us lacrosse, which was huge. Yeah. 30, there was 20 or 25 sets, full sets of equipment, goalie gear and everything. So that right there was extremely helpful. I mean, without that, you know, that may have been very difficult. And then, you know, obviously working through U.S. lacrosse and all the administrative things like insurance, uh, get you know, just getting started. But it was really um, he was, again, advanced in age and he he passed away uh, about in, during COVID. Uh-huh. Um uh, he was 89 years old. I mean, it was, you know, but he, he really left the, 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 uh, the club to Robbie and I to run. And, um, so that was really what it got started, but it was really Robbie and I that, that, that took the, that took the ball and, uh, and ran with it and, and grew the club. And, um, and that's where we are now. That's amazing. Well, we'll give a, a special shout out to coach McFarland. If he's, if he's listening from up above, thank you for, uh, inspiring so many kids and launching so many programs and making the sport so possible it's uh and and to you guys i mean to to take the baton and run with it um it it really is it, it's part of the whole community aspect that makes you sports so powerful we have uh 
a friend of ours passed away during COVID and um, he helped uh, me and my wife run the end of season uh, youth rec jamboree. It's called the Battle of the Bay. And um, we've ran it for the last two years in his honor. And um, it's grown from a thousand people to 3000 people to 5000 people. And now it's just this we have an award for him and it's just this amazing thing. And I think it's it's a great platform to bring the community together and to rally around. That's excellent. And we um, just wanted to let you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you, you you know Todd Francis from Plant Lacrosse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a friend of ours. So he he also periodically would come up and run clinics for our kids and, uh, and bring sticks and everything like that. So we we uh, we have a, a mutual friend in common and got to know him. So that, that was a little bit of our Tampa connection. It's, it's yeah, really yeah, we, we've got that connection. I think that's the beauty of uh of sports is like everyone wants to help everyone wants people the the sport to grow everybody wants to see it be successful and a lot of times it's just reaching out and and asking for help and that can be hard as uh as especially as men sometimes we're not as used to it maybe but um it really is makes such a difference um because the community wants to wants to see other areas grow yeah i think for robbie and that that really helped with our program i mean and robbie will tell you um, I'm pretty tenacious. And if, you know, you're not going to get anything if you don't ask for it, so just ask for it. But what with the lacrosse community and, um, you know, it's really like the, the whole six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Well, in lacrosse, it's really yeah. about one or two degrees away. Everybody knows somebody's played with somebody's cousin or knows a coach or, or coach you know, for them or, or yeah, there's so much guy. overlap. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you ask and you need help or, Hey, we, you know, uh, you know, could you come run a clinic or, you know, could we, could we play a scrimmage against you guys or, or do you guys have any extra equipment or balls? There's always somebody in the lacrosse community. It's like a fraternity of men and women that will help yeah. each other. It's not big. Um, even if you've played against them and you've been rivals, it doesn't really matter in the big scheme of things. Everybody seems helpful and wants to help each other. And uh, it really is true. Absolutely. Really- yeah. And I I think it's it's something that's overlooked when you're growing up and when you're when you're in the youth programs or in the high school level. Um, but where it became super apparent to me was as I was getting out of college and starting Signature Lacrosse, the amount of support in the lacrosse community from from coaches on teams that I played against, from programs that I didn't know, but I played with a guy who uh, played at that program. And just the one degree of separation like you're talking about and the 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 way that the community in lacrosse is like a fraternity and does want to see everybody be successful as long as you're in it for the right reasons and you're doing it with integrity, I think you, you, you garner a level of support that you really, you don't get in other communities. Absolutely. And then um, what really helped us too, and, and um, is that we've had, we were lucky because even on our small Island and Robbie can attest to this is that we had a number of lacrosse players walking around, former players. Some of them were parents more often than not. They were kind of youngish guys, you know, for well compared to Robbie now, youngish people. Um, walking around that had some had some experience, maybe played in college, maybe played in high school that came out and helped us and volunteered. Um, and they come and go because some people have young families, they move away from yeah. their job opportunities and those things happen. But we had a we always have had a good core of volunteer coaches and and just volunteers and organization that are tied to the sport. And, you know, without them, um, you know, we, Robbie and I can't do it ourselves. We, we were able to the first year or two, but as we grew, um, you know, you need, you're going to need obviously more coaches. There's more age groups. There's more kids and score tables, refs, like the <laughs> yeah. janitorial service, fit, getting the trash cans. <laughs> the fields, yeah. Picking up cones. Yeah. And- People don't realize the, the level of administrative work that goes on behind the scenes for, for program directors. And a lot of times I think the program directors don't realize it until they get into it and now you're a you're a marketing expert you got to run the website the email marketing the social media you got to be an operations expert find the fields find the coaches you got to be hr hiring everybody onboarding everybody it's just it really is a full-on business yeah everything scheduling games it's a little bit smoke and mirrors sometimes but it's always like it was for me um and uh, i think robbie will tell you too and I'm, i'm talking too much robbie i'm sorry but uh, but it was a full. It was like having a second job. But I, oh, I yeah. loved it. I loved it. And um, you know, it was and it was it was a you know it was a labor of love. And my you know having kids, my my two sons involved in playing, 
Yeah, they made it. And Robbie's Robbie's uh he had a daughter who played. We have the girls played with the boys for a long time. He had a daughter who played and he has a son who plays. And uh I don't, you have another son that's gonna probably playing now too, right? This is his third year, actually. Oh my gosh. So there you go. Wow. So yeah, we have kids and so you you know you want it to work. Yeah. And for for everybody listening, just for a little bit of context. So so it sounds like Carl, you were really uh, part of the pioneering founding team with uh, with Coach McFarland and and Coach Allen, and then now you've moved up to Connecticut and you're working with Coach Allen to kind of transition um, the organization. Or are you yeah, staying up to how? It, how- I, I follow it from afar. I'm one of the founders of, of what became Hammerhead, but it's really Robbie, and we have a in his his board running running it. And I'm just enjoying the fruits of their labor and. I hope to, hopefully I'm going to be at that first high school the game they have next year. That's awesome. Be yeah. and I'm, I I'm think coaching up in Connecticut. I'm, I'm assistant coach for the middle school team at in Avon, Connecticut. Oh, beautiful. I almost went to Avon Farms. Oh, Avon Old Farms? Yeah, I'm about a yeah, mile. Yeah. Yeah. Very I'm, nice. I'm high, my kids are at Avon High School, so yeah. Okay, very cool. So, and I think just to touch on something real quick that a lot of times is, is I think, overlooked by programs um, is that transition from from when one of the founding members moves out of out of the area or moves on their kids age out and they move on that that transition and the continuity in that transition it, it is the same level of of an exercise in change management that with replacing a CEO of a, of a startup organization that that is a lot of times one of the most challenging pieces of being a program director is it's not the it's all very hard, but the transition to get out of it and hand it off and 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 not let that kind of crumble in the process is it's a hard transition. Yeah, yes, it is. And yeah, I was just going to talk to that. So um, as, when Carl moved, I mean, he really had the energy and the passion and all of the contacts and everything to really help accelerate the growth um, of our program. Um, I will say with him leaving, thank goodness we've got an amazing board who devotes countless hours to ensuring the successful uh, execution of our league and that we focus on the kids, right? And it's all about the kids having fun and learning how to play the game of lacrosse. And we've got a great board of parents who are awesome and have really helped smooth that transition. Um, I've had to pick up a lot more um yeah. duties that's that carl used to have to do or that carl had on his plate so what helped me was it, it kind of goes back to um to the covid in the pandemic when we all started working virtually so i got to spend more time at home being full-time yeah. virtual and said hey this work-life balance thing like, i like the life balance a little bit better working full-time virtually so um i transitioned to a new job within boeing where i work full-time virtual now and that started about two years ago. So it allows me to devote a lot more time to practices, to board meetings, to supporting the kids, um, and just really focus on the things that I find important in life, rather than trying to race home from work to see if I can make it for the last half hour of practice. Yeah. Um, so one of the kind of the, 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 the positives coming out of COVID is, I think for a lot of people, is we've reevaluated, you know, what's really important in our life. You know, do I do I need to spend you know 50 hours, 60 hours a week in the office and commuting an hour one way every day? Or is there a job that offers me a better balance where I can work from home? I can pick the kids up from school. I can make it to every practice. Um, And that was a huge life changing moment for me. Um, That's been very positive and very, uh, very rewarding. I get to spend a lot more time. I've got a five-year-old. Uh, actually, he was five when he started playing. So I have a seven-year-old boy, a 10-year-old boy, and my daughter will be 13 this year. Wow. So, That's awesome. Just, yeah. yeah. The prioritization, the reset in priorities um, that that people got a chance to really like reevaluate during COVID. I, I couldn't agree more. And we, we run Signature 100% remote. We're 22 full-time. And I could not imagine it any other way. It, the The amount of time wasted purely in commuting uh, yes. is mind boggling. Um, but then when you add up all of the in between the lines of just getting into the office and getting comfortable and then going to lunch and blah, blah, blah. And then the kids and it just it takes up so much unnecessary time that could be spent on doing things that you're you're truly passionate about. And it sounds like um, amongst the list of uh, keeping us safe with uh, building amazing planes, uh, the community and, and sports and, and your kids having that opportunity that you had growing up is really important. Priority. Yeah, absolutely. He's a good dad. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think a lot of that, I mean, for me personally, is, is I've always had a, a sense of service. And that's why I did go into the Marine Corps. Um, you know, I want to serve my community. Um, and transitioning out of the military is hard for any service member. Yeah. Um, and being able to still have a sense of service when it comes to the community and have that rewarding experience is, is it really helps with that transition. And it really, from the beginning too, part of the reason I got that sense of service, and I think what really helped me um, in my career in the Marines was all the sports I played, all the coaches I played, the self-discipline, the leadership, you know, the confidence building, all of that came through athletics, right? Not yeah. through um, just academics. So all of my coaches, I take the bad from the bad coaches, I take the good from the good coaches, and then I morph it into, you know, my coaching style. But that really has set me up for success in my life. And I feel just a strong sense of duty to give that back to our youth. Um, and I saw that even more. I was the head coach for Woodbridge JV lacrosse team yeah. uh, for a couple of years when I was stationed at the Pentagon. My boss was, uh, he was kind enough to let me out of work a few hours early uh, on the days we had practice. So coaching those boys, it was an eye opener for me because I had been out of the game for about 15 plus years. And there was another Marine who was brought in to coach the varsity team because they had some discipline issues and some other things going on. Mm -hmm. So they're like, let's bring in a Marine captain and see if he can fix our, uh, our discipline issues. That's a great so strategy. <laughs> he reached out to me and said, Hey, do you want to coach the JV team? I was like, well, I've been out for a while, but I'll give it a shot. Um, and to see the youth today, a lot different than when we went through, you know, and, and we were just starting to play. Um, all of the dependencies on um, cell phones, social media, and this this lack of ability to stand in front of your peers and effectively communicate in person, yeah. you know, to others what you want them to do. So just generally uh, uh, lacking leadership and confidence. So instilling that and teaching that was one of the most rewarding experiences that I have ever had in my life. By the end of the season, I had almost every parent reach out to me and just thank me for what they had done you know, for their son. Wow. They can't believe how much they had matured that year. They're confident. They, they go to school every day. They're confident. Um, they're not nervous and worried about you know being the shy kid. Like They just yeah. had a whole new sense of self about them. Uh, it was, and that was extremely rewarding to see. So after doing that and then coming down to Amelia Island, um, again, we had mentioned previously or, or before we came on air, um, my kids, I, I wanted them to have the opportunity to play lacrosse. So it was a selfish reason to get it started. Um, I also obviously wanted others to be able to have the opportunity, but took it upon myself yeah. after, uh, coach Fred ran an article in the newspaper that, uh, Carl mentioned earlier. Anybody interested in starting lacrosse league? Yeah. I wrote Coach Fred back, called him, and then we, uh, you know, had some meetings and and got things rolling. Got us well, rolling today. Coach John, that, there's a couple of things I want to touch on in that, but it is an incredible story. I think the the big the big thing for me is just this: there's such a strong why behind your your passion for the game, and it was it was perpetuated so much more by that that high school season. And I think one yeah. thing that is overlooked a lot of times is as coaches, sometimes we coach the way that we want to be coached or we coach the way that we were coached. And <laughs> when you look at the different generations, uh, they, there are different needs. And even within a team, there's different personalities on each team with a different set of needs. And for you to be able to recognize that there was this overarching gaping hole in communication, which is the foundation of, of leadership and, and the foundation of confidence and to be able to key in on that and then really create your curriculum for the season around instilling those values and to have the response from the parents the way that they they thanked you for it. It sounds like that was a really, really powerful season for you. Yeah, it really was. And uh, took a bunch of players. Most of them had never picked up a stick before. And they went undefeated that season. That's amazing. Which was <laughs> amazing. Unbelievable. I mean, what yeah. they did. I mean, couldn't catch and throw on day one and then never lost a game. You know, we just focused on very, the very, very basics and like to say brilliance in the basics, right? Just yeah. focus on that and self-discipline and go out and have fun. And they did it. So. That is amazing. And I think that's a testament to, uh, we always talk about in the business, uh, low effort, high impact activity. And when you can hit on that as a coach and you can find something that's 
this is the lowest hanging fruit. It's going to make the biggest impact. And to be able to hit on that and then see how it how it translates into all aspects, not not just their their leadership and their ability to communicate, but also their performance goes way up because now they're they're doing things that other teams can't do. Even if they're a better team, they're not right. communicating on defense. They're not coming off on the sideline and coaching each other up on on where maybe they could take advantage of uh, an early slide on the next um, offensive set or um, be a little bit more delayed on the on the coma slide on defense or whatever it is. So um, that's just, I think, something that all of our listeners, a lot of coaches, a lot of program directors, even players can take away is um, that you found something that just encompassed the entire group and you were able to focus on it. And it, it just, the impact it had was more than what you could have ever expected. Absolutely. I just wanted them to have fun and learn the basic skills to eventually you know, move up to the varsity level. That's it was a pretty powerful season. Yeah. So the other thing I heard in your story that I thought was um, really, really powerful was that identity transition. And I think um, one of the things that I struggled with, I know, coming out of high school and coming out of uh, playing college athletics was uh, going from my identity as an athlete to to an identity that was anything other than being a lacrosse player. And I know for the military, that's something that's talked about a lot more. And there's there's programs around it, but it's something we're always trying to get better with. How was, how was that uh, transition for you when you were coming out of being an athlete and going into the military and then coming out of the identity of being in the military and now being a civilian? So I think uh, the transition from athlete to military was, was pretty seamless, right? As a, I mean, as a Marine, you're, you're always, you know, you're always working out training um, as a pilot. You know, you obviously have to stay in shape. Um, we're working out a lot, flying aircraft and flying jets and, all the training, I equated that to sports because you have your mission brief, which is like your pregame or your practice. And then you go out and you fly your mission, which is the game. And then you've got your mission debrief. So you come back and you talk about all the good things and what you need to work on to get better for the next game. So, you know, that was a typical flight yeah. for me. So it was like a direct translation from sports to flying, which was awesome. Plus you're out there, you're pulling G's, you know, flying's hard and it's a physical workout. So it, it, it really has a lot of the same characteristics of, of playing the sport like in my mind that's how i saw it yeah. um from the military to civilian so after almost 20 years in the marines retiring it, it's challenging because you spent you know half your life doing one thing in 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 basically working with one team you know in in this case with the marines and and all the service members and women around the world um and and doing some amazing stuff you know to keep this nation safe and to protect each other and when you lose that and then all of a sudden you're alone. Now it's like, you've got to try to find yourself, right? Yeah. You're not part of something bigger. So where, who am I, right? What, what, what do I need to do to get that same sense of um, team and service? What do I need to do to get that back? Because I like that, right? I miss that. Yeah. So Fulfillment for me, and purpose. Yeah, absolute fulfillment and purpose. Thank you for that. Yes, perfectly said. And for me, it was service back to the community. Um, on top of my job working for Boeing, and I still get to work on the aircraft that I used to fly. So I get to manage yeah. the programs that support those aircraft. So I'm still serving, um, yeah. you know, our warfighters in my job, and I get to serve my community and pay back all of those coaches who gave me all of those, helped me develop all the traits and. Um, uh, everything that I needed to be successful in life. Yeah. I really, I really give to all the coaches that I've had throughout my life. So really paying it back, paying it forward, you know, it's gotten me back to where I'm, I'm happy and I really am excited. I get to be in this position and have a great community that really supports our sport. Yeah. Well, well coach Allen now, now's a better time than any to uh, thank you for your service and to thank everybody else in the military that's listening for their service. We, uh, we really thank appreciate you. it. And sports would not be possible without that. So um, the it's, it's amazing to me to see like the full circle moment in your story, um, how the, the sport helped you, transition into the military and then how it's now helping you or has helped you to transition out of the military. And um, it's just an incredible thing for anybody listening that has been in the military. And there's a lot of people involved in youth sports that have been in the military that are that are out of it. It's such a strong foundational group to build community and to build youth sports around because of that 
that sense of service that's just ingrained in anybody who who is selfless enough to serve the country. Yeah, concur. And I think also the leadership skills that um, you develop while serving in the military. I'm not saying that you don't develop leadership skills in other businesses, obviously, but there's a unique set of skills and traits that, you know, you work on and develop while in the service, which can help, you know, you as you want to become a coach, you know, you get to figure out the, the team dynamics. You're probably pretty good at that. Um, how can I, how can I find the best position for each player based on their skill set? Um, how do I have them add value to the team? A hundred percent agree with what you're saying. The, the, the translation of the leadership of the, the team building, uh, the culture, um, and, and even measuring performance as, as athletes. And then I'm sure in the military, you're, you're always measuring performance of, of the players on the team and, giving them clear sight to where they they stand in the organization and how they can move the needle to to help the team achieve the goals. And I think a lot of times those direct conversations and letting people know where they're at um, on any team is is something that's a little bit difficult for people. It's a hard conversation. And to be able to do that um, and learn those skills so that when you do, when you are coaching, you're able to teach those values to the kids that you're serving as well. It's, it's an invaluable scale. So uh, transitioning here to, to the, the meat of our uh, podcast, it's really all about the, the signature sauce, the one to three needle moving concepts that have really helped you guys um, to, to launch and grow Hammerhead Lacrosse from, um, from the ground to now. How many kids are in the program, girls and boys? 70. Up to 70? 70, 70? Yes, up to 70. We start with a 20 per season. That's great. So um, from zero to 70 in your fourth season, how, how, what are the one to three things that you guys really use to, it sounded like the first biggest thing was, uh, coach McFarlane rest his, rest his soul, getting that grant and helping to, to push you guys off. That sounded like it was a big, a big first push. Yeah. And, and then, um, I think the, the, the second big thing and in, in, in no program I think can be run successfully without it is you have to have a core group of volunteers that are very, very committed to getting it done. Um, and even, you know, in passing, there are people that, you know, talk a, a big game that they're going to help. But, you know, generally, it always comes down to a few individuals that do it every day. Um, so you, you need that. Yeah, it's not so that commitment from some core community members that that really helped you guys. And it sounded like the board is is really impactful in your organization. I know for for some people who maybe don't have that strong military background or like you have coach Allen or the the business background like you have coach Carl um it's hard for people to understand that when you when you create a board you have to manage the board they're not going to manage themselves and the clearer you can be on a on a scope for each board member and on delegating the responsibilities and, and really making it clear, the more, just like your team, the more successful each player's gonna be able to be. How, how are you guys able to do that with your board and um, really activate them? I'll take that, Carl. So that's something that I'm still working on. Um, when we first started, it was just Carl and I. So, you know, Coach Fred did help out. Coach Fred went to all the schools and canvassed all of the schools and showed them a lacrosse video, I think from the 70s. But uh, he, awesome. he introduced, yeah, he introduced lacrosse to all the local schools. So I, I can't thank him enough for doing that. Um, even as Carl said, you know, he had a tough time getting around, but he still went to every single school in the local area and showed them a video and met with them and gave them an overview of what the sport was. So that was step wow. one. Um, and then back to uh, to the board, it was it was just Carl and I. So you know, thank goodness Carl was able to spend a lot of time. Uh, committing to this, uh, given his work situation, which was awesome and was really is really needed for the, starting any new program. You've got to have, like Carl said, a committed group of individuals who can give a lot of time to see it through. You can't just jump in and jump out especially yeah. as you're starting to develop. So now that the program has gotten up to where it is with 70 plus players, so we have U8, U10, U12, U14, and U19, which will become the high school team next year. Uh, the board has gotten larger. Now I'm splitting it into two boards, one for the high school booster club and then one for the youth rec league. So Sweet. I'm working through that right now. Um, but it has made it, it is more of a time commitment because now we do have monthly board meetings and the board is larger, but we need that because of the growth of the organization. Um, so some of this is, is just learning as we go, everybody working together. 
Um, yeah. In the end, always keep in mind that it's about the kids and making sure that the kids have what they need to have a successful season, whether it be equipment, fields, games to play. So that's the focus. Yeah. And that's where I try to keep the focus. So, so for our community that's listening, Carl, when you're first kicking this off and you have the, you have the support from, from coach McFarland and you have the support from coach Allen, but knowing that they're going to be in a limited capacity, how many hours realistically are you putting in, in the first year, in the second year to, to launch the program? Um, you know, really it varies, but, um, my, my mission was every day. And I, I really mean this every day I had to do one thing to push it, push the club forward. And it could be something as small as, um, you know, uh, reaching out to someone to set up a clinic or, um, you know, having, having, Hey guys, let's all, let's get some more kids together and scrimmage on a Friday evening just for yeah. fun. Or it could be a day where, um, you know, we're doing everything from uh, administrative things, paperwork, uh, you know, going to going to league meetings. We're part of a the, our rec league is part of a, a greater league that's in the, the, the North Florida, Jacksonville or uh, from Gainesville, you know, yep. up through St. Augustine. We're all part of this one league, you know, things like that, taking care of that day to day, which Robbie does a lot of a, a lot of that, too. But um, so, yeah, some days you're, you're putting in about four or five hours of work and then practice um, in addition to your job. But a lot of it's just every day. What is one at least one thing we can do to push this forward? What's yeah. the one phone call we can make about equipment or one, you know, uh, or something it had it had to be something every day. Yeah. So so if there's a, a parent in a community, they want to launch a program expectation wise. It's it's an hour or two a day at a minimum that you're you're putting in to really get it off the ground, and then as time goes on, you can build a community around it and get some additional support. But I think it's 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 really important, like the transition of going from being a one person show and and really being the driver behind the program to then getting other people involved and then building out the organizational structure. It it is really like building a business. It is, and if if it can be done methodically and, and if there's people that can support these organizations and these community leaders by whether it's a, a business owner giving advice or mentoring or whatever it is, it's a big it's a big lift to grow a program from from zero to 70 kids and then launch a high school um, on top of it. Yeah, you have to be pretty, um, pretty tenacious. Uh, don't be afraid to ask. And uh, one thing, and this is probably is. And I could say worked against us, but there's also the philosophy. I grew up outside of Washington, D.C., and we always used to say, just do it. Ask for permission later, <laughs> because if yeah. you ask for permission in Washington, D.C., there'll always be no. Yeah. And bureaucracy will always, you know, maybe, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't do this. That's, let's, the, let's, that's let's, the entrepreneurial uh, yeah. that's the entrepreneurial theme song right there. Do exactly. It Let's do it and deal with the consequences or yeah. the later or the correct whatever you need to correct. Uh, that yeah. was, and I think Robbie appreciates that too. And, uh, oh, but, uh, it's it a little, little bit, a little bit of that. Robbie yeah. to even hear as a, uh, a military man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> yes. Carl and I work well together. We just have different approaches, which balance each other. Well, so I think that's a very, Absolutely. very well said. Well said. Yeah. Absolutely. No, no, the hundred percent. Um, but the thing is, um, I mean, the key is, uh, when we started, so, you know, it was basically Robbie and I, we did have a small board, but then you really find the core dedicated group of people. And Robbie, I know from, from watching from afar has been able to build that group and he's got excellent people in there and not to scare anybody off, but in the beginning too, sometimes it takes even a lot of your own resources. Um, you know, Rob, both Robbie and I have put some of our, put our, some of our own money into the program, you know, equipment gets lost or broken, you know, things need to be replaced. You know, we, we, you know, we, we also, uh, the area in Florida where we are, there's, there's affluent people, there's people that are, you know, close to the poverty line and some are in poverty. And we always wanted to keep the price to play and participate low. Unlike some yeah. of the other programs where I won't mention in the area where they charge a lot of money for a rec season. We, we, we want kids to play. And another philosophy I always had was, and this is Robbie can attest to this. All kids play lacrosse. So if a kid wants to play lacrosse, and Yuli or Fernandina for our rec program, they play. We find a way to make it work, um, and uh, you know we'll find a way to, to stagger payments, or you know we just keep the keep it low. Not, yeah, we're a bare bones organization. Uh, we, we don't want to charge anyone uh, exorbitant amounts. We don't want to discourage anyone. To that point, so 
something else to think about when starting an organization. So Carl and I self-funded everything for the first couple of years. Um, we did finally have uh, some folks come in and donate some money, um, but it was it was a lot of our own money to get the equipment, to get the goals, to get enough uh, uh, sets of equipment for the players. And then I uh, just want to shout out to Luke Orsetti, uh, who did help us when it was U.S. lacrosse get the grant. <laughs> For the uh, twenty sets of equipment, Lou's great. Corsetti, yeah, Lou Corsetti is the um, Southeast Regional yep. USA Lacrosse rep, correct? Yeah, and just a great yes. guy, and has done a fantastic yeah. job. Looking at the South and how much it's the sport's grown since he's been in that role, it's it's pretty pretty big. Yeah, he is. helped us with that whole that whole uh, first grant with all the equipment and helped us walk us through that whole process. So can't yeah. thank him enough. Cause that really got us started. And just for our, for our listeners, for context, and we, we have people from all sports, football, basketball, baseball, lacrosse is one of the more expensive sports. I'd say hockey and lacrosse are two of the, the harder sports to, uh, to get off the ground because of the cost. Um, what is that investment that you guys made personally? If you don't mind me asking year one, year two, are we talking like 5,000 bucks, 10,000 bucks or, or more not including the time, obviously, that, that goes into it. The first year, I definitely think- not, as, not as much because we did get the first stick uh, grant. But after yeah. that, I would say on a personal level, probably about three to 4000 a year um, for a little while. And then yeah. not as much last year. And then when kids got more familiarized and their families and their parents got more familiarized with the sport, you know, they would go out and spend a little money. But for a lot of people, there's some sticker shock, but as we got to, yes, people learn more about the sport and they realize, Hey, our, our, our kids need new helmets. And, you know, I'm going to go out and buy my, my child a helmet and, you know, I'm not going to rely on the club and so forth. And you do have to replace right. it. That was always helmets were, were, were it's to this day. I mean, there is, I, I look at the price of helmets and I understand, but boy, are they expensive right. <laughs> and they have to be replaced. One of the hard things about youth football too. And I think what they've done with you football and, and the helmets and the shoulder pads and the rental systems. I mean, it, it adds a layer of administrative work that is yeah. arguably triple the amount of total work because yeah, it's and just certification and all these things. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, coach Robbie. No, I was just going to say, I also uh, was assistant coach for the youth football league here on the Island this past year. And yeah, their helmets, I think, are upwards of $400 for the entry level. So yeah. very, very expensive. Um, and I think part of why there is that upfront investment, if people ask, is because we wanted to keep registration low to almost nothing those first couple of years. So we could get the players to come out and just to experience the sport. So that's why Carl and I, we invested so much money um, along with some others to go out and buy that equipment along with the starter sets um, to ensure that players could at least experience the sport to see if they liked it. Yeah. And then as we kind of that core group and then through the networking of the kids to their friends saying, hey, you got to come out and play lacrosse. It's awesome. Um, then we were able after about three years to slowly start increasing registration. Um, but it's still um, it's still fairly low, but we've got it to the point where at least we can pay for all of our league dues and you know refresh some of the equipment without having to ask people uh, to chip in extra money. So, yeah. And, and foundationally, it's something that I think um, my wife and I could not agree more with. And uh, my wife, Maddie, has has helped to build youth lacrosse here in the Tampa area. And in the last two years, um, we, we implemented a policy, a no player left behind policy. And it's just a no questions asked scholarship program um, that we're testing out where Signature will cover the uniform costs. Um, the program will cover the registration fees. And then even helping the the kids maybe with carpooling, connecting them with some of the families. And I'm one of the things I'm most proud of with that organization is over the last two years, they've done over a hundred thousand dollars in scholarships. And wow. it's just been awesome. one of the coolest things to be a part of and, and to see in the community here in Tampa. And um it's something that we we're really looking to scale across the country with all the organizations we're partnered with. Uh, and a selfish plug here, uh, the Hammerheads are a, a signature partner program. And um, for everybody listening that that doesn't know what that is, we, we designed this on-demand team store solution as a way of um, the programs not having to include the cost of the uniform as part of the registration fees, which I know Coach Carl and Coach Allen, as you guys know, it's that's 30, 40% of, of the cost of, of running the program comes in apparel. And 
if we can turn that into um, an actual revenue stream for the program and give a percentage back on all the sales, the parents who can afford it, they have no problem paying for the uniform set. The parents who can't, the program now has the money to scholarship scholarship them if they need it. And that was something that when we were coming up with this program was just really important because if you look at, like you talked about, the cost of getting the program off the ground, not just in in terms of the hard dollars, it sounds like four or $5,000 a year for you guys, but the amount of time is is really the biggest investment. Five, you know, 600, 500, 600 hours uh, of work throughout a year to to really get a program going. Um, as a brand in sports, I think all brands should be supporting those efforts because that's really what makes it possible um, for kids to get involved. No, that's fantastic. I mean, and uh, yeah, I think, no, no, Signature is, uh, the, I, I I wasn't able to benefit. Uh, it's the first year, I guess, uh, the Signature has got that, you know, I saw the page and your the uniforms and everything like that. I, I mean, I wish we had, we had done that sooner, <laughs> but I'm glad they're doing it now. I think that's 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 what the, the new board's doing a really excellent job for Hammerhead. That's perfect. Yeah, the the administrative work. The more that we can take the administrative work off the program, so that the program directors can really focus on the coaches and and the uh, quality of the experience. And really, a lot of times, and sure for you guys. That's the reason why you go out there in the first place. And then you realize that you get all this other stuff that comes with it that maybe you weren't you weren't ready for or nobody tells you about because it's it's the really the bulk of it. Um running the website, the marketing, handling the uniforms, it's a lot of work. So yeah. well, it sounds like um the big three for you guys were were uh first getting into the schools and and coach McFarlane helping to introduce the sport. And then second was that initial grant that helped you guys kind of get off the ground. Um, that's inspiring and something that the more that I've heard it two or three times in the last 20 or so uh, podcasts that we've done. And um, it makes me think that there might be an opportunity for us to do a, a, a equipment grant program as well, because uh, if it's had that big of an impact, it's definitely something that should be scaled and not um, just relying on one organization. So what would you say is the third? It, it looked like um, the coaching and, and getting the community involved or? Yeah, dedicated so, coaching community volunteers, but Robbie, yeah, you can take it. Yeah, yeah the, the, the coaching and the volunteers, but I, I would say more importantly for getting more players is developing relationships with the other youth sports in the area um, yeah. has been key. So um, like I said, my son wanted to play football this year. so. Um, I, I can't sit on the sideline. I've got to coach or do something if I'm out there. That's just me. So I volunteered to be an assistant coach. So coach football, um, developing a relationship with the football board and just talking about lacrosse. And for some of them knew what it was. Some of them had no idea, but on, um, explaining what a great crossover sport it is for athletes who really want to focus on football, but need something to do in springtime, um, it's 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 a great chance for those kids to maintain and continue to develop those same core skills yeah. that are required for all, almost all sports, but a lot of, a lot of them translate directly over to football. Um, so our most of our new players this season did come from football, um, which was awesome. And continuing, we do have a strong soccer presence and baseball presence, and some of that overlaps, you know, with our season. But we continue to see, you know, kids trickle in who want to try lacrosse because it's starting to get yeah. more popular. And I think of it as we grow and kids share their experience with their buddies in school, then, you know, they want to come out and try it. And this season, throughout the season, we kind of keep registration. Well, we do keep registration open throughout the season. And we've had one or two show up every couple of weeks who just want to come out and try it or they saw us practicing. Um, so we do let them come out and experience the sport and all of them have signed up. So, you know, once they come out and try it, they want yeah. to play it. Even if there's only three games left in the season, you know, we've reduced registration to 25% and had it covered by us across insurance. And they were able to play in a couple of games and loved it. And they're going to be back next year. That's amazing. Yeah. I think, Keeping the registration open is something we've heard pretty consistently is a great way. See a brother or sister on the sideline, throw them a stick and just get them out there. And then yep. the connection between sports and, and really making it not a uh, competition of play football or play lacrosse, but rather like play sports and have fun and and whatever you want to play and, and do cross training in different sports in the off seasons 
it just, it's such a great thing when a community is really focusing on the athletes and not on making their sport the best program in, in the area. Absolutely agree. Yeah. So gentlemen, where can our, our listeners uh, follow along and, and stay connected with the program? Sure. So we have a website. It's uh, hammerheadlacrosse.com. Um, and then also we have a Facebook page, also Hammerhead Lacrosse. Uh, so if you'd like to check us out, you know, head over to our website. Uh, it's a, we're still building it out. Uh, it's gotten better. I think we transitioned to a new site this year, um, but there's a lot of information on that page about, uh, I think, even how we started and then what our league's all about. And um be able to yeah. find a lot of great information there. So that's great. We'll drop that in the show notes too. Um, but Coach Allen and Coach Carl, I can't thank you guys enough for coming on to the podcast and sharing your story. And uh we really the Hammerheads program that you guys have built is just such a great example for for others across the country of what's possible when you when you really want to make it want to make it happen. One last plug. Absolutely. So just uh Proud to announce that our Fernandina Beach High School will have a varsity lacrosse team this year for the 23-24 season. So Let's it's a fully sanctioned FHSA sport. And the intent of building the youth program was to create the feeder program to eventually have a high school uh, team. And we were able to do that in five years. I thought it would have taken double that. That so. is amazing. And and growing up in Florida, I watched our high school, Jupiter High, go from club to varsity when I was a sophomore in high school. And the difference and and the amount of work it took to get to that point, it it can't be overstated. It's you you yep. can't have a high school sanctions program without those feeders or it lasts two or three years and then it's gone and then it's even harder to get it back so um that's right. up to you guys for building a, a strong pipeline and now uh a high school program that i'm sure is going to be very competitive up there in the coming years i think it will be yeah, yeah. we're going to be we're competitive. Excited. already you can see it and it was always a dream of mine i think robbie and i will, will happily admit or easily admit that from from day one that was always our dream that that our kids would be playing high school lacrosse and I'm, it's bittersweet for me because I'm enjoying it from afar. But I'm. This was always the 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 end result. Going to be the end result. We're we're going to get there. And this this is fantastic. That's awesome. Well, what a milestone! And thank you again for for your service for the to the country and your service to the community. It's really uh, making an incredible impact. So thank you, gentlemen, for coming on the show. And um, we're uh, excited to get this episode launched and all of our listeners to get a chance to to hear your story. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Signature Grow the Game podcast. We hope you found our conversation with our guests insightful and thought-provoking. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And of course, a big thanks to our title sponsor, Signature Athletics, for their continued support of this podcast and their dedication to making youth sports programs feel like the big leagues. Be sure to check out their game-changing Team Swag stores to elevate your program's look and feel. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Signature Grow the Game podcast.